Five is a great age to start learning, <laughs> machine learning, by the way. You could restore it all. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup. Prasanna is in a foreign country at the moment, so he is unavailable for a uh, recording. We have a special guest, and uh, I'm sure that she's going to be so awesome, we're going to probably fire Prasanna and then um, just go, go with her all the time. So she has been uh, had a career in uh, machine learning and analytics, Started as a software engineer at Verizon, uh, spent uh, several years doing data analytics and uh, machine learning at Google, and is now a technical product architect at Druva. She is at the office of the CTO, so she helps us to come out with new products, especially in the ML and data analytics space. So welcome to the podcast, Preeti Srinivasan. Hi, Curtis. Thank you for having me here today. I'm excited. You know, we, you and I, we've talked about having you on the, on the podcast. And so now we finally, now that we got, you know, we got rid of that other guy, we got a chance to talk. So, um, so I, I always want to get to know the guests a little bit. And I, you know, I asked you before the show, you know, tell me something about yourself that, that is non-technical. And you mentioned that you have been learning to play the cello for a year now. That's amazing. What, what, what made you, what made you, um, you know, decide to do that. So um, I wanted to learn to play a string instrument. And then I didn't want something too shrill. So, you know, I didn't learn to play the violin. And then the double bass just doesn't fit in my car. So, right. dude, and then, so it's cello. And of course, I love the way cello sounds. So uh, here I am learning to play the cello. That's amazing. Um, and how, how much do you practice? So I try to practice at least, you know, three or four times a week. After a year, uh, how, do you, how are you feeling with your playing? I love it even more. And I'm seeing some progress, so it is good. So uh, I can play a few songs and I enjoy that. Uh, it, it's interesting. Um, so I, I, had, I had always felt like I wanted to learn to play the guitar. And a few years ago, I decided to try to do that. And I, I had sort of a double failure. So I have, I have an injury or had an injury to the middle finger of my left hand. Uh, so I'm missing, the t I'm missing the tip of my left middle finger, which is a, it's a core finger for making various chords. And the problem with mine is that I don't... I, I basically have skin and nerves. There's no like muscle padding between the two. And so I, I, it's incredibly painful for me to do chords with my left hand. So I gave up and then somebody said, well, why don't you try a left-handed guitar? So I bought a left-handed guitar. And so I, for a while was trying to learn how to play guitar, you know, basically like Jimi Hendrix playing the backward backwards of what my natural hand was. And I'm not that coordinated to begin with. Mm -hmm. And when you add the fact that I'm strumming with my non-dominant hand, right? Typically, you strum, you know, with guitar, you strum with your dominant hand and you do chords with your not as dominant hand. So I was good at making the chords because I was using my dominant hand. 
but I had like no coordination on the strumming part. And I just, I never really felt like I got that. And I, and maybe I didn't practice enough. Maybe I, you know, I didn't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I could say I completely have given up, but I definitely haven't done it for a long time. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you for, you know, you, you tried something, you, you've continued it. Sounds like you really liked it. Um, and do you think you're playing at this point? Is it, <laughs> is it pleasant to listen to? Do others, others in the house, do they enjoy when you play? Uh, it's others' problems, so I'm not too stressed out about that right now. So, but um, I have a supportive family, I guess. So they're good. putting up with me for sure. Yeah, that's good because it's not an instrument that you can play silently. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's not like a keyboard where you could you can plug it. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, and string instruments like the cello or the violin, if you get it wrong, it sounds really, really wrong. Oh right? yeah. Um, oh yeah. 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 All right, so let's talk about machine learning. Let's talk about analytics. Now, let's just start with a basic definition. When you say machine learning, so so talk to me like I'm five. I don't know what machine learning is. Tell tell me what it is. Five is a great age to start learning <laughs> machine learning. By the way, so uh, I'll start from like you know the real basics. So we keep hearing about artificial intelligence and machine learning, and so what is this? What does it really mean? So I'll start off with artificial intelligence. So artificial intelligence is machine intelligence that can solve problems based on, say, cognitive ability, or decision-making skills, and learning. So where um, machine intelligence helps, you know, does these things. So machine learning is... Uh, is an application, it's a subset of um, artificial intelligence where it learns, the machine learns from experience. And when I say experience, it's you know data, machine learns from data without explicit programming. So what does it mean like without explicit programming? Say for instance, right, you are creating a, you know, a human detection, uh, you know, a model to de detect humans. So you do not code, you do not write code saying how a human would look like or what are the features of, you know, uh, how does a human walk or talk? You do not code those things, but you rather give data with humans in it. And then you give data without humans in it. And the machine basically creates a, a generalized pattern. So it's based patterns, which is a mathematical model. And the data which you give is basically training data. And it creates creates a model, a generalized, generalized pattern out of it. And then so and then in real life, and it starts seeing new data that is like new inputs, it would start predicting whether it would start responding, producing results, saying that, hey, there's human here and you know, there's no human here. So that's that's machine learning, where it learns so, yes. So it, and it can handle um, so it's interesting that you, you chose as an example humans. So humans come in various shapes and sizes. They come in different skin tones. Uh, they come in different genders. Uh, well, but it's able to understand that it can find patterns that are similar, even though there may be differences between the data sets. Is that, that you sound? need to provide it, the model is as good as the data. So mm -hmm. we need to provide data for all, you know, different, uh, uh, different uh, 
uh, say for different gender and race and sizes. So when we pro provide the data, it creates a generalized pattern. So it's very important to remember that your model is as good as the data. And it's very important to give high quality data, especially you know, diverse uh, data in, in case in this example, which we just spoke of, so that the model can actually perform well. Right. So if you, if you again, continuing this analogy, if you mm -hmm. fed it nothing but pictures of people from the Netherlands, from Holland, right? From men, from men, from Netherlands, from Holland, the model would assume that a human is, you know, light-skinned, six and a half feet tall <laughs> and blonde, right? Uh, so, so you would want to, you would want to, feed it data from multiple different types of of humans in this case so that it so that it gets a, a, a much more general uh, pattern so give me an example that's not human give me an example of that that's more technical in nature uh, so uh, machine learning as such is you know is applied across industries and it need not like necessarily be uh, it's it's not like just a vertical down, you know, IT field or something. So machine learning is you will see applications across various industries and problems. So even if you take, even if you take, uh, let's say we are like take a general example of like building a system that let's say predicts um, home prices, for instance, right? right? So you will be like providing data with like you know which we call uh, features or properties, basically where you say. Um, okay, this is the uh, size of the, you know, size of the house, uh, how many, like, you know, rooms and bathrooms are there, uh, which, where the house is located, how old the house is. So you'll provide this information, you know, you'll give some training, historical data to it, and then the model starts predicting based off on that. And so here, diversity, I mean, having, like, you know, assorted data would be like, you know, places of data from different different locations of different types of homes and uh, right. different, uh, you know, different uh, properties inside the home. And, you know, so giving a, a data that is like a good representation of these things will help your model perform better. Right. So we wouldn't want it to just feed it uh, data from homes in the Bay Area, for example, because they're more expensive than homes and most any other places, right? So it would really skew the model. I think that would be a good example. Yeah. So yeah, the, it so depends what, on. One, go ahead. Yeah, it depends on for where you're. You know, um, if is it a model that you're predicting? You're building just primarily for this data, then yes. But right. if it's a, so well, that would make sense, yeah. right? If you yeah, yeah, if you just wanted to predict pricing home prices in the Bay Area, then it's fine for you to yeah. put only Bay Area price. No, that's actually that's a really good point. And, yeah. and you know, it came to my head as soon as I mm -hmm. as soon as I said that. So what about, oh, by the way, I, I haven't thrown out my standard disclaimer. So uh, Preeti and I do both work for Druva, but this is not an official Druva podcast. The opinions that you hear are our own. We are, you know, we, you and I are in the data protection space. What kinds of patterns might you be able to detect and then predict uh, to, to use, you know, and then do any sort of predictions in, in that space? So... Um, yes, machine learning uh, is going to be, it's already like, you know, has a lot of applications. And then especially when it comes to the backup backup industry as such, machine learning will be 
an invaluable, indispensable assistant. Uh, that would be the uh, the first, you know, how how it starts uh, being applicable to the field. For instance, like think of think of uh, the patterns. Like for instance, take machine learning can be very good in helping predict uh, anomalies. For instance, it can it can understand you know various various user activities and help uh, detect uh, anomalies. Uh, that, and you know, say threats, security, identify security risks. So uh, it can it can be helpful there. And then uh, another example, for instance, like you know, machine learning can help you optimize your optimize your workloads, understand understand what what is at high risk, what you need to back up, what you might not need to back up that much based on your based on your preferences, based on your usage patterns. It can help you manage costs, saying, uh, you know, where where you need to be spending, uh, you know, ha- uh, spending more resources. And it can also, like, help you provide, uh, identify, uh, give you pro- better SLAs. For it can help you achieve better SLAs, uh, prepare, uh, you know, have more recovery points, and it can help you proactively prepare uh, for for disasters. So the innate capabilities that machine learning has, like you know, prediction, anomaly detection, uh, these are these are things that can be like very applicable for the for the backup industry. So in general, you know. Think of, I see machine learning uh, and artificial intelligence. I see artificial intelligence more as an augmented intelligence where with human creativity and empathy with machine intelligence, you know, it's it's the magic portion. So you can, you can create wonderful solutions. I can give you like a few broad categories, for instance, and you can see how the examples which I said will like, you know, fit into these. So... They can augment human intelligence in places where human uh, memory, for instance, cannot scale. Say, if you want to like uh, detect uh, threats in like billions of events that's happening or multi-million events that's happening, then machine learning is a, a great, you know, a great approach. And then think of think of things that um, it's just like you know monotonous tasks. There are like monotonous tasks that's being done. So. Then, uh, uh, then that's that's another great that's a, that's another great application, and then uh, machine learning can also be uh, very very helpful in solving like uh, very complex very complex problems. It can it can pro- provide you the provide you the assistance or provide you with the analytical information that you need for which you can base your base your decisions on that than like analyzing large amounts of data, but this can identify those patterns for you and provide that information so that you can use that to uh, use those data points to drive your decisions, whether it's cost, whether it's performance, whether it's efficiency, and drive those decisions based off on that. So give me an example, like a, you know, a very easy to understand, concrete example of the kinds of things that you could uh, or Pro, a problem or concern that you could solve using machine learning and specifically with uh, backup uh, data. Okay, to let's let's just uh, take 
an example of, uh, let's say like, you know, there's a particular pattern in which you consume, consume resources. So let's say, uh, let's take an example of like, you know, credits, for instance, just, just a random example. So let's take uh, how you consume, how you consume credits. And then machine learning can help, you know, build out, for instance, a pattern based on, based on your past consumption and help you uh, help generalize, create a pattern saying that, you know, how you are expected to consume. It'll also, fa- you can use, you know, factor in uh, things like um, how your resources, uh, you know, how your data itself grows over time. So using that plus using uh, what are the kind of workloads you backload, uh, you know, you back up and using all those kind of information, it, you know, machine learning, you can create models that can predict how your usage is going to be in the future. And so with that, now you can, now you can prepare, you can understand like, okay, how much budget you should, you should allocate, allocate for your backup, for instance. And uh, so that you are prepared and you don't like hit, you, you don't hit like, you know, you run over, uh, you, you know, you're out of, out of credits, for instance, before you were even prepared to buy more credits or you don't like, you know, say unnecessarily purchase a lot because your pattern of usage is different. That's, that's just an example of like how machine learning can help you actually prepare for this. What about uh, ransomware mm-hmm. detection? So, yes, with with ransom with ransomware detection as such, so uh, there are like again there is this pattern of like you know if mathematically speaking, right? So uh, anomaly detection is it has like these usual data points that you have, and it can it can project those those data points in a mathematical space, say a multidimensional graph, for instance, and this generalized pattern will chalk out like, okay, where your usual activity lies. And then the things that are outside that activity, it can start uh, seeing seeing uh, anomalies. So say for instance, like, you know, you're uh, say accessing from a different location or accessing way too many times than like a, than a usual, usual activity. So things like that can be like projected uh, mathematically, and that can help you detect things that are outside the um, the usual zone, and you can uh, predict based off on that as well. Basically, you know, based on and, and again going back to the beginning, mm-hmm. this starts with you know, um, would it be right to use the word training uh, the the model? Uh, training in the aspect of well, well, you know when you said you mm-hmm. give it you give it these data sets like in yes. this case this is what a good backup this is what a good backup looks like this is what a bad backup looks like what, uh, so it would start with doing that first right um, and then the challenge there would be you would need to I guess you would need to either simulate or actually infect some systems with ransomware. Like if, if you were trying to predict, if you were trying to create a model that would predict ransomware, you would have to say, okay, here are some backups where the user got infected with ransomware, and then boom, you know, the model it notices well, a person who has been infected with ransomware has ten times or a hundred times more files suddenly getting backed up than they did before. Is that the kind of thing we're talking about? 
So uh, I'm glad you brought up this point because so anomaly detection uh, when it comes to machine learning acts a bit differently. Yes, it does need training data, definitely. But it is the algorithms are trained to understand that the anomalies are way, way, way lesser than the uh, normal activities. Okay. So, so you know, in those cases, uh, you don't necessarily need a lot of data you know, to show the anomalies as such. Uh, if your data is like heavily skewed with normal activities, that is good too, because it can, it basically, like I said, it creates it, it creates a pattern around that. And so things that lie outside that pattern, it's, it will start detecting those as anomalies. So uh, when, when an anomaly detection as such works, it is it, the algorithms are actually prepared for that uh, highly skewed data where you have like a lot of data on usual activity and uh, you know very scarce points for unusual activity. So how would you? So so I get that basically you mm. you feed this giant set of data, mm. or you're saying it actually doesn't. If you're just doing anomaly detection, maybe you don't need that big of a set of data. You, you give it this set of data and and then it can easily detect anomalies. How do we get from, you know, anomaly to actually notifying a customer? Because I know, the, the, you know, InSync has the ability to detect ransomware. How do we get from A to B? How do we get from just notify or just noticing an anomaly to actually noticing that that anomaly is probably ransomware? How do we how do we make that? So, um, for us to, you know, understand, like, you know, how these uh, anomalies are. So, what you would do is, like, it depends upon, like, what are the, what are the features that, you know, you would, you would uh, say that how a ransomware is different from a different threats. Like, you know, can you, can you give me examples of, like, you know, what would you think for how ransomware threat? If you, okay, let's, let's ask you this in a, you know, in a, if. As a human, when you see, how would you know that something is a ransomware threat from a different different threat? Well, if, if, if I was actually looking at the laptop, in this case, let's say it's a laptop. I was looking at a laptop. If I saw that, that 100 files were just modified, mm. their size has changed, but their names are the same, their size has changed, and maybe their, um, their, uh, and the, mod you know, the modification time has changed, the name has stayed the same, Maybe there's been an extension added to the file. Yeah. Like it used to be a dot doc and now it's a dot doc comma whatever the thing is that the ransomware product does. Mm. Uh, that I guess that would be Yeah. So so for example, like you know, some of the important points that you brought up for us, like uh, for instance, the the size has changed. So like you know, there's like a lot of modifications and then there has been like change in expansion and information like that. So uh, those are the those are the features that you would take in while building building a model for for ransomware detection, for instance. So I can probably like take a step back and say, you know, uh, uh, you know what what it means, you know, building these features and machine learning, and then give this as an example. So like I said, you provide training data, and this training data has these several aspects of this data, so which we call as features. And you, uh, it's it's a it's a process by itself, you know, getting your data ready for machine learning, choosing the choosing the right features, and you know how how important these features are in describing what the model is. So these 
will attribute to be able to solve that particular problem. So for a ransomware detection, uh, there might be like uh, information about like, you know, what is the, uh, how many, like, you know, say like how many files have suddenly changed from, you know, what they have been usually say, usually like, you know, let's say, uh, uh, let's say 10 files get changed uh, in an hour or two hours, but then suddenly there are like, you know, a hundred files that have changed in two hours. Then, so information, information like those can be, uh, you know, projected, projected in, projected in features and especially when it's of like, you know, large volume. So you can, you can gather uh, those information and that can also, you know, help to create, create, uh, uh, you know, the detect, detect the anomalies basically. And say like, hey, okay, there, there are being like you know there are unusual unusual patterns, and we can based off on that. Plus, when you have these, uh, like you were saying, you know, yes, you have, uh, okay, you detected an anomaly, but then how does it get to the user? So, machine learning systems are not necessarily very uh, independent systems. So they are they are in part of uh, the the applications in many cases. So you don't see an AI product as such separately. It provides provides uh, the cognitive ability, which would st still be part of a huge application workflow. So let's let's take, for instance, like a product like NSYNC. And then so you have this capability of being able to detect, detect the anomaly, but then they will also have the workflow of, you know, being able to, um, you know, what's a queuing service or whether you need to alert, have like an you know, alert or push notifications and being part of the part of the application itself. And then also the actions that need to be taken based off on that. So the workflows associated for that. So not every part of the journey is machine learning. So machine learning is, you know, machine learning is not a product. It's it's something that helps you solve a problem. And uh, it it's relevant when you know you have like large amount of data and you don't want like much you know human intervention. Basic basic rules engines cannot cannot catch this, or even if they catch it, there are like a lot of a uh, lot of uh, false false positives or data that is uh, that you know it's not like you know uh, the rules doesn't really encompass many things, uh, many features into it, that's when like, you know, a solution like a machine learning uh, would would help. If we look towards the future, right? So, yeah. you know, I know that the whole reason that, that you're at Druva, right, is to help us use analytics and machine learning to, to help make the product better. Um, what kinds of what kinds of things without because I know you're not you're probably not supposed to talk about specific products that are you know on the roadmap or whatever but what what generally what kinds of things do you think that the future holds for um, customers and maybe you don't have to talk about Druva specifically but the kinds of things that companies that have you know that have data that could apply machine learning to their backups the kinds of things that they could potentially you know, we talked about ransomware detection you talked about uh, capacity management uh, what other sort of what what's maybe a harder problem that that you you see you know in the future solving uh, does it necessarily you know is it like in particular to backup space well I, yeah I think it would be more interesting to our listeners if it were the backup <laughs> Yeah. So um, some, so many of the examples which you were, you know, uh, hearing, for instance, 
uh, has been like you know on metadata, metadata based, uh, based data analytics, right? Like for instance, like Druva um, in Druva we built uh, a huge big data analytics pipeline that can you know process various metadata and enable enable capabilities like you know metadata search and so on. So in general, what the future holds is uh, when you go even beyond the metadata, when you start helping customers, you know, to understand their content and um, helping them derive patterns out of the content itself. So now you're talking about like even even huge amount of data here because you are uh, helping customers analyze their content and create, you know, uh, create patterns out of that so that they can use this information to drive you know their decisions or uh, their own analytics or to uh, to understand understand their data better to be able to find things that they you know they just didn't know they don't know what they don't know so uh, helping helping you know uh, uh, helping customers get there that's that's a very that's a very fascinating that's a very fascinating problem to solve and to uh, bring those values out. Uh, I just wanted to add one aspect. So yeah, we didn't sure. kind of like get a chance to talk about it. So I was also like planning to talk about uh, more about cloud and artificial intelligence and machine learning. So where does this, uh, how does this relationship exist and how this journey helps uh, okay. to adopt artificial intelligence and machine learning. So okay. uh, yeah, so um uh, you know, previously, previously, you know, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning were something like you know it's only like high tech companies were able to do because they had the resources, they had the expertise, they had the tools, you know, inbuilt uh, in house tools to help them do these extensive uh, to solve these hard problems. But then over time, uh, cloud providers like AWS and Google Cloud uh, started to see these uh, opportunities where companies who's not these you know focused on high tech big uh, like these high tech big companies but they have their own domain space that they are uh, they are focused on to leverage these benefits of uh, ml and what they started to do is provide these provide these services on the cloud so uh, that can help you whether you want to build from uh, like I was saying, like, you know, you want to build brand new models itself, you know, having very specific to your custom use case, or they even have like services already ready-made and built for say, in, take, take for instance, uh, you want to understand the uh, sentiment of reviews that your customers provide, for instance, you can just, it's sometimes as simple as just calling an API and passing the reviews to understand the sentiment, and you can un- understand how how customers are using the product, or what are the things that customers are talking about, and you can derive analytics out of that. So the data, when when your data gets when your data gets to the cloud, right, it opens up it opens up a lot of opportunities because your data is there, and plus a huge set of tools is available for you, whether it's like you know to, uh, analytics. Uh, or uh, like you know, big data analytics, like you know, slicing your data, or it's like you know, the machine learning use cases using like you know, cognitive, cognitive intelligence. It opens up 
a huge opportunity when the data is when data is in the cloud. So when your data gets to the cloud, your your path to machine learning is much faster and you have the resources readily available for you. Otherwise, otherwise it's much harder to build build your own you know machine learning models using a variety of tools and trying to uh, trying to bring these models into uh, into production it's it's much it's much harder or uh, i have I have like primarily always used it on the cloud and i can't imagine you know how hard it can be without without using without using the cloud so uh, the uh, the data being there and the tools being available there and the different tiers of tools that's available based on based on your needs and based on your expertise makes this journey um, much faster to adopt uh, machine learning in your organization. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll wrap things up. And uh, as I was, uh, as as you you probably heard it, you know, at this, at this point in the podcast, I typically remind people to subscribe so that they can always restore it all. And then I play the restore it all theme song. But I have something slightly different in mind this week. 